What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Hyun Park, who is the creator of Hype. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Glad you're doing great. And I appreciate you being open to come on to talk about Hype. For people that don't exactly know what Hype is, can you tell us what you're working on? Sure. So Hype is the social bidding platform for exclusive releases. We partner with brands and launch exclusive release auctions and allow for users to bid to amplify and dictate true value at the first point of sale publicly. So for example, if a brand like Chanel wanted to do a limited edition 50 pair sneaker release, they would still do the manufacturing and list it on hype. Um, At the end of the seven days, the top 50 highest bidders each get to buy one pair at their highest bid. But during the auction, we only ever show the highest dollar bid and a username that's linked to the user's Instagram. Um, by doing that, we provide inarguable legitimacy that's virtual and digital and global. Um, but we also shift uh, social validation, which is currently, you know, very micro-personal and, and very local. And we put it to a global scale. So you're not just showing off in front of your friends on Instagram or people that you see in person, but now you're showing off in front of the rest of the world, competing against different celebrities and influencers across all verticals and niches. I feel like you're living in the future and you're just telling us, you're telling us what the future is <laughs> going to be like with this. This is, this is awesome. I, I'm excited to dive in. So just to make sure I understand let's actually go through like, I guess a, a flow. So let's say, I don't know, um, someone, you know, a popular brand, uh, uh, Supreme, let's say, for example, drop some mm-hmm. sneakers. I don't even know if they have sneakers, but just roll with me for yeah. a second. Let's mm-hmm. say they drop some sneakers. Um, and and I want to get them and they drop them through hype. Can you kind of walk through the UX for me, like the experience that I would have, like what I put that, what I bid on the sneakers and, and well, I I mean, yeah, I guess, can you show me like how would I go through the process to get one of these and, and go through those dynamics? Sure. So the releases on hype are only available once and only through hype. So if you want them, you have to come bid. Um, when you go on the website, uh, you'll first see what hype is at, what, what hype is about, and you'll see like little gifts um, teaching you how to use the platform. But it's pretty straightforward. Um, after you go to the releases tab, you'll see uh, just like a, a couple tiles of different releases that are going on. Then, um, when you click on it, you'll first see the product, and then underneath is um, a dollar sign with the highest bid, and then next to it is the username of the highest bidder, and then you have uh, your current bid and then the opportunity for you to submit a new bid 
So there's only one place on the actual platform that where you can type and that's just your bid. Um, so during the auction, you only get to see the highest dollar bid and a username. So you don't know where you are in the ranking. So for example, if there's like 10 pairs of shoes from Supreme, we're only showing the highest bidder. So you kind of have to take the risk if you're not trying to be the highest bid to kind of guess where you could be on, on the list um, of winners at the end. And that is such a smart, it's such a smart idea. Can you tell me how you kind of came up with that, with that, 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 that idea of you got to be in the top 50, but we'll only show the, the, the highest bidder. Um, how, how'd you come up with that? That's super interesting. Yeah. So I, the whole story of, of everything kind of goes back to when I was 12 um, and I wanted to wear Jordans and play like Mike um, and my mom wasn't willing to pay for them. So I borrowed, or I borrowed $50 from my mom, but before I borrowed it, I had a seller for a pair of Jordan six Oreos that, that I wanted to buy. Um, before buying my first pair, I had the second and third pair lined up with buyers as well. So after my first day of reselling when I was 12, I made $150 in profit, paid my mom back. And then over the next four years, I grew my collection to a little over 300 pairs. Um, and, and that was kind of when I was realizing that this market is super outdated. Um, the brands, some of these brands have been around for centuries and they've been constantly innovating on the product, but the pricing and sales aspect of it has been same since the beginning of mass production. It's been a flat price and attempt to capture such a dynamic market where the value creation and amplification was happening in the secondary market. Um, so the brands at the first point of sale physically couldn't capture any of this additional value directly. Uh, that was always frustrating to me. And there, were, there was a couple other after trying to capture the, the value in the aftermarket companies, but none of them had worked directly with the brands. So I started to kind of brainstorm where hype could fit in and what kind of value we could provide to the companies and the consumers. And um, through interviewing, we, I think we interviewed a little over 300 potential users um, on, on what they liked the most. And because we were optimizing for the person that was going to be aiming for first and the person that wants all the ego from being first and, and being at the top of the list uh, we, we decided to only show the top bidder and bid to to kind of optimize for that kind of behavior and then to put that person on an even more pedestal and talk me talk with me about the incentive for a brand so is the let's say i'm a, a ddc brand and i have a drop and let's say i'm like good enough to be listed on on hype like what what are the incentives for the brands um versus just going straight through their other provider like I, I obviously i'm not super positive how all this world works so feel free to get basic with me but i guess why would a brand go through go through hype right yeah so that was like the question that i had when i was starting all this and i was like oh gosh like these brands are like multi-billion dollar brands why why haven't they done this yet um, and the meeting that kind of solidified that and like confirmed my thoughts was one of our earliest meetings with Prada. Um, before the meeting started, the director sat me down and was like, hey, uh, we know what you're trying to build. We love it. We've been trying something similar internally for a couple of years and we can't do it ourselves. And I was like, holy cow, like, thanks. Uh, why not? And he said, well, every time anyone walks into a store and he sees any logo, there's an expectation of price, product, and value that you're going to receive. The brand can't break that promise by themselves, so they need to collaborate with the brand whose identity is just doing that, which is what Hype does. And also, a brand can't increase prices to capture that additional revenue um, 
uh, of the of whatever hype is going on because if they do then they're using that price as a signal for how cool it is and how much attention it's worth and therefore they're setting up every release after that release up for failure because it'll never it'll it physically can't hit the expectations of value ever the chance of that happening is almost zero because no one can predict the market so for the brands it, it's an opportunity for them to break those expectations and capture more of the value that's out there but the uh, the other side of that is because hype does releases in every industry from fashion art vehicles experiences cosmetics consumables and pretty much everything in between that we see as vehicles of culture and status we're able to curate different niche audiences that are ultimately interested in the same thing. They just don't know it yet. So they're much more susceptible to cross promotion. So we take the different exposures in different tight knit communities from uh, one sector to another where they're more inclined to buy and, and they do buy. Can anyone, um, can any brand launch through hype or is it, uh, or not launch, sorry, launch a new product through hype or is, it, are you selective with the types of brands and, and either way, like how do you, how do you know who, who to, who to let on to launch? Yeah. So for the first couple of releases, um, our first one is going to be July 1st. Uh, for the first couple of releases, we're curating them pretty, pretty selectively. Um, we have a, just a couple sheets of um, metrics that, and factors that we look for and whether or not the brand has like a cult following, whether it resells in the aftermarket where they've naturally gotten celebrities and influencers to wear it and actually like it um, and, and things like that. Uh, so for the first, for the first field, for, for the foreseeable future, we're, we're very carefully selecting and curating the releases, but later on we plan on letting uh, any brand use it to kind of scale past this niche exclusive luxury space. And what would you say there's something going on with just this market that you're in on a high level. Um, I don't know if you would call it D to C. It might be like a sub, like a subset, like streetwear or, or something like that. But like this market is kind of blowing up anything in D to C. What have you observed um, in this specific market? And why do you think D to C and streetwear and all of this is just kind of blowing up? Or has it always been this, this big and just now people are realizing it? Yeah, so there, there's a whole cultural backstory on how streetwear started, why Jordans are cool, why streetwear started to evolve from like essentially New York City skater kids wearing just casual clothes. That like the name streetwear is a little derogatory. So like the board at like Supreme actually doesn't like the word streetwear because um, they're like like what, what's streetwear? Like you could wear a suit on the street and technically it's streetwear, right? Um, so the industry is is definitely bigger than it ever it has been before and that it's it's more mainstream. Um, before this shift, I would say it happened around 2013, 2014, when luxury, so higher end fashion started to kind of pick up traces of luxury. Um, Kanye did this a lot and Virgil's the one that now that's leading this whole whole movement um, at Louis Vuitton. But the the general market accepting streetwear i think is because it, it it embraces more of like an individual form of expression than does higher fashion or just like general market fashion and it's it's kind of seen as this maverick new trend that that is a, a little bit disrespectful to the culture that exists um, both in fashion and society 
and it, it's cool by nature. So I, I think people are warming up to it more and more. And because it's going bottom up instead of which from fashion, which is typically top down, I think it resonates really well with people and, and they want to feel like they're part of this community. So it's, it's becoming more mainstream day by day. And then one more question about the industry. Would you, do you see um, a lot of um, individuals in Gen Z taking to this and potentially some of the growth is coming from um, maybe, you know, inter- internet, internet, not celebrity, like influencers or people that are influential in Gen Z. Um, and then if that's the case, obviously it'll only get bigger because that's, you know, they're on the rise or is it still mainly like millennials and Gen X or is it all of the above? It's, it's all of the above. Um, that, that's the one thing that I absolutely love about sneakers and, and this like fashion community is that in one forum or in one group, you could be talking to someone that's like 10 or someone that's like in their 50s who have been collecting since they were like in high school or college. Um, I, I absolutely love it. And the different tastes and subtle differences in, in how they dress and what they like are different, but the overall community is definitely together. Um, the Gen Z and like the, the Zoomers are, are leading like massive adoption because they see the influencers, because they see people that they look up to wear it and really love and fall in love with it. So they start to love it more and more and more as well. Um, the, the thing about currently just how prevalent social media posts are and how prevalent influencers are, are actually creating a pretty significant barrier for brands because that's much more noise for different brands and different companies to break through. Um, than it was maybe in the early 2000s. I guess that's what happens when a market matures a little bit. Like if you're early, you have the first mover advantage, you have less competition, lower CAC and stuff. But then as it gets more popular, right. more more competitors, and you know, then, then, it's, then it's a market. <laughs> right. So one more question. Obviously, you can tell I... I'm really, I'm honestly fascinated by the market that you're in. I, I, I didn't even know it existed until I saw a documentary. I believe it was on Netflix on a Supreme. Like I saw the stickers of Supreme and I'm like, oh, like the stickers. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was like this new brand. And I watched this, this, this documentary and I'm like, whoa, like there's something going on. And I only started paying attention like six months ago. So my uh, one more question on the industry for you is, if someone's listening and they're as fascinated as me um, in this, you know, uh, not new, but, but, but growing quickly industry, h- how can people learn more about it? You know, like wh- where do you stay on top of the industry? Like what sources do you read or who do you follow? If someone, you know, even me, like if I want to learn more about it, wh- where would you suggest I go? Um, so before I think mass market adoption a lot of it happened on facebook and reddit on different fashion groups sneaker trading pages um shoe pages and there's like even pages where you like battle people with your like different outfits um but right now i think majority of that has shifted like the actual core niche audiences have shifted to reddit um so if you go to reddit and just look up like streetwear threads or fashion threads or sneaker threads you'll see a lot of really active um experienced dialogue happening there gotta love reddit reddit is like i feel like yeah. underdog underdog of the internet but it's always it's like yeah. bigger than anyone ever thinks it is but no one ever thinks of it mm-hmm. as like a top as a top site it's so interesting right yeah um cool that that's awesome to know so 
so let's um let's look out a little bit so learned a ton well actually sorry a couple more questions on the actual product and then we'll go to the your vision for it mm-hmm. um so um just to make sure i understand so a brand launches through hype and i want that product and let's say it's i don't know sneakers of a brand i see that the top bid is either this might be high or low i don't know but like 500 mm-hmm. bucks let's say and i'm like oh if the top if the top bidder is $500, if I put in $200, I bet you that's in the top 50, but I don't know until it closes. So ultimately what I put in the 200 bucks or 250 or whatever, and then just hope it closes with me in the top 50, is that ultimately kind of how, how it works towards the end of a bid? Right, right. That would be kind of the mindset and the flow for the bidder that's trying to get the lowest price possible and not go for number one. Well, you know, this This makes me think this is very smart because it also helps a brand determine their value without the, without it being without it happening directly to them. And I believe you alluded to this already. But like if a brand's charging, I don't know, $100 for X and they go through hype and they actually find that the market value is closer to 150 that's like even market research. Like, you know, it's like that's kind of interesting. Do you, do you find hype could be used in that way too? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the brands that we're working with like honestly don't know how to price their goods because they can do all the market research that they want. But if they, let's say, let's say for example, one of our, one of our beta brands, Icy Rabbit, um, they typically do like a t-shirt for like $42. Um, they released it and then they never repeat their release. So they never restock. And then in the aftermarket, Haley and Justin Bieber wore it um, just like, per, like completely naturally. And then the resell for that small streetwear brand shot up like three to four times. Um, so they were like, well, like, what, what do we do with this information? Like, how do we, how do we go forward? How do we actually use this to benefit the rest of our lines? Um, and so hype for them is, is a bit of an exercise where they can test the boundaries and text, test the, the limits to which the price, which measures how cool they are, um, goes to better improve the rest of their company and better promote the rest of their brand. Got it. Yeah. Super, super smart. Um, so let's look out 10 years from now. 20 years, however far you want to look, um, what would you say hype will look like? Uh, or in other words, what's your big vision for it? Where are you rowing to every day? Mm-hmm. So hype starting off, we, we want it to be like this super curated, super exclusive release platform for, for all sorts of things. Um, in the recent, in the, in the near future, we're doing clothing experiences. Well, that's put on hold for a little bit but art, um, consumables, and cosmetics. Uh, in the future, we want to scale up to bigger things, so cars, boats, bikes, yachts, houses, and things like that. Um, after that, when we decide to kind of let go and let the reins loose a little bit, uh, we want to be able to provide hype for any brand that wants to use it, where they can list it on their site, um, and then, but it also gets featured on the hype, hype site. So think about it like Amazon, where there's hundreds and hundreds of products that are up for sale, but on hype, there'll be auctions. And then on the homepage, we'll be featuring different top auctions going on um, by industry, by brand, by category, or by price point. And that's kind of what, we, what we're looking at now. And to make all that happen, you'll need some help. You'll obviously need brands, you'll need customers, maybe investors if you're going down that route, but you'll definitely need help from the forward-thinking founders community. So for the last question for you, um, is how can the forward-thinking founders community and listeners help? Do you have an ask for anyone listening that might be able to assist you with something that you need help with? Um, yeah, absolutely. So 
I would love to hear any feedback about the platform when we launch. Um, if you go to thehyp.co, the hypeco, um, you'll be you'll just be able to enter an email and we'll put you onto our waiting list. But after that, any feedback on the platform when we launch um, late June, early July would be really appreciated. And also any introductions to influencers, celebrities, or brands would be super appreciated. Um, we have a really good relationship with, I think, I think we're at like 150 influencers and celebrities now. Um, so we'd love to welcome more into the family and, and try to plan some re new releases with some brands as well. All right. And then the um, last question, if you've, um, I mean, you just mentioned your website, but do you have an email or it's Twitter, Facebook, any other, any other links you want to, you want to drop if people want to get in touch or is the best way the URL that you dropped? Yeah. I mean, feel free to DM me on Twitter. My username is at haha. So H A H A young, young. So Y O U N G Y O U N G. Um, feel free to tweet at me, DM me, whatever. All right. Thanks for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it and wish you best of luck with hype. Thanks for having me. That was fun.